Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, I hope you are relaxed tonight. If you aren't, will you just unwind for a moment and just let loose? I know you've had a busy day, and so have I. But here we are in God's house this evening, and it's just nice to relax because we're tired and to open our hearts for the Word of God. Tonight, this is our first Lenten service. Doesn't seem long, does it, since we have come from Christmas. We hardly feel that we have celebrated the birthday of Jesus, and here we are, Ash Wednesday evening. I suppose some of you, with a German tradition in your home, you have had your Fasnachtkiefle, you have eaten your fast night cake or your donuts, because today is Ash Wednesday. Getting that name from the practice in the early church of putting ashes on the head to symbolize a sorrow and penitence. Lent has played a great part in the Christian church for centuries. It includes the 40 days before Easter. And yet you and I know if we count the days from Ash Wednesday until Easter, we get 46 days. And we say, well then, why do we call the Lenten season a period of 40 days? And the answer is that there are six Sundays in that period, and Sundays are not counted as Lenten days. They commemorate the resurrection of Jesus. So 40 days are set aside commemorating the time when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. And this is the period of the church year when we are to go to Calvary and we are to think about the sufferings and the death of our Lord. I thought it would be quite well in this Lenten season at these informal services that we might look at some of the questions that were asked during the sufferings and death of Jesus, especially those distressing questions, those questions that disturb your soul and mind, the ones that upset us, the ones that give us a feeling within us that we just don't like to have. And tonight I'd like to consider with you that one question that I don't know about you, but whenever I ask it, it does give me a very uncomfortable feeling down inside. We talk about butterflies sometimes in the stomach. I wonder if it does that to you too. I refer to that question that the disciples asked Jesus in the upper room, the night of his betrayal. You recall that they gathered in the upper room, and as they sat at the table that night, uh, Jesus was very sorrowful, and his heart was very heavy. And he looked out at the twelve, and he uh, said, uh, One of you who is seated here at the table with me is going to betray me. One of you is going to be a traitor. One of you is going to double-cross me. And then you recall that the twelve disciples, when they heard that, uh, they just 
couldn't understand that this could be possible, and they, they all turned to Jesus, and each one said, Lord, is it I? Lord, it couldn't be I, could it? Lord, you don't mean me, do you? You mean to say, Lord, that I could be the one who would be guilty of betraying you, of being a, a traitor, of double-crossing you? And you remember that, that night, uh, the Apostle John was seated right next to Jesus and had his head lying on the bosom of Jesus, and Peter wasn't far away, and Peter motioned to John, ask him who it is. And the others didn't realize, and then John said to Jesus quietly, Who is it, Lord? Then you remember Jesus whispered to John, He it is to whom I will give the food when I have dipped this bread into the bowl. And they always had a bowl of food. So Jesus, the others didn't realize, he picked up a piece of bread and he dipped it in the bowl and he just unceremoniously handed it to Simon Peter, then, or to Judas. Then Simon Peter knew that it was Judas. The others didn't realize it. But even Judas then turned to Jesus and he said, Lord, is it I? Lord, you, you couldn't mean me, could you? And Jesus quietly said to him, yes, Judas, you. And then Judas went out. And tonight, I think we'll take a look at this question in a very relaxed and informal way. Lord, is it I? When you and I read those words, what effect does it have on you and what does it do to me? I don't know what it does to you, but it's a very distressing and disturbing question. Lord, is it I? In other words, Lord, is it I? Lord, you don't mean me, do you, Lord, that I could end up my life playing the role of a hypocrite? playing the role of an actor, of a make-believe, of a sham towards you. Lord, is it I? Is it, Lord? It can't be, can it? You don't mean me, do you, Lord? When you and I say that tonight, how do you feel? You and I say, Lord, do you mean me? And then, do you, Lord? The very fact that we ask that question, and I want you to ask it tonight, and I'm asking it too. Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Do you mean me that I could end my life and that it would end in this way, that I would stand before you as nothing but a sham, a two-faced individual, nothing but a make-believe, nothing but a, a hypocrite? Lord, is it I, is it, or is it not? Do you mean me, Lord, or don't you? I think that's a horribly distressing, disturbing question for my soul, and I think it is for yours too. Let's look at it tonight. What makes it so distressing? Isn't it this, friend, the fact that tonight you're asking it, they're sitting in the pew and I'm up here in the pulpit and we're saying, Lord, is it I? Lord, do you mean me? Lord, do you mean to say that I can end my life and that I would end up this way, that I'd be nothing but a sham, a two-faced actor, to stand before you 
And the very fact that you're asking it, that I'm asking it, and that the twelve ask it that night is an indication, and isn't it a admission on your part and mine, that this is a, a horrible possibility, that in spite of all of our Christian background and training, that you can end up as a hypocrite and so can I? That's hard to believe. And I say to myself, just because I've been a preacher for a number of years, just because I happened to come out of a Christian home and my parents presented me to the Lord in baptism when I was a kid, and just because I was confirmed, and just because I went to parochial school, and just because I studied for the ministry, and just because I've been your preacher for over 30 years, the very fact that tonight I say, Lord, is it I, forces me to admit this horrible possibility that I've got no guarantee in the world. But what again, it's possible for me to stand before him at the end of my life and be nothing but a dirty hypocrite, nothing but a two-faced individual, nothing but again an actor. That's terrifying. I would hate to have to have spent my life in the ministry of Jesus Christ and to have it in that way. And it, it bothers me, just the possibility, does it you? And may I say this then tonight, there isn't anybody here, I don't care who you are. I don't care how pious a home you've come out of. I don't care how wonderful a Christian mother and dad you've had. There isn't anybody here tonight, you or me. But what again, when we say to the Lord tonight, Lord, is it I? You mean me? That we have to say to ourselves, it could be. It could be you. It could be me ending up in a horrible way like Judas. Nothing but a sham. Nothing but a make-believe. That bothers. Uh, that puts fear into my heart. I stand up here and I say to myself, you better be sure. Otherwise, don't stand up there. Lord, is it I? Is it Lord? Lord, is it I? Surely not. Or, Lord, is it? Is this something that could happen to me, Lord? You don't mean me, do you, Lord? And the very fact that the disciples asked it, they weren't sure. They admitted, evidently, it could be me. Because he said, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to again sell me out. One of you is going to prove yourself a sham. The very fact that tonight you're asking the question, Lord, is it I and so am I, isn't it also an admission on your part and mine that this is a horrible possibility that you and I may be just that kind of a hypocrite right now. We may be just playing the role now, not that we're going to end up that way, but it may already be a fact in your life and mine. And that's a horrible thought, isn't it? To say, here I belong to Emmanuel Congregation, or I belong to a Christian church, and I contribute, and I go to church, and I rear my children in the faith, and is it possible that I could be a sham right now? And it is. Lord, is it I? Do you mean me, Lord, do you? Or don't you? Does he mean you or me? We say, well, I wonder. Am I playing the role now? Isn't it true that in your life and mine there have 
always come times when we ask ourselves the question, am I sincere? Do I mean what I say? Does it come from the heart? Is my worship something that comes from the depth of my soul or is it just that I mimic and I mouth certain things and when we say the creed, I mouth it like everybody else and I, I repeat the Lord's Prayer, I don't pray it. Hasn't it ever bothered you? It does me. Sometimes we, we're afraid of this very thing, aren't we? And we say, am I sincere? And we say, if I'm not, well then, perhaps the Lord means me right now. Then I'm playing that role. Lord, again, we look at our lives and uh, we say, am I living in deliberate sin? Am I doing things every day that I know are wrong? In my business, in my profession, in my job, when night comes, does my conscience bother me because I'm doing things that I know were wrong? Distressing, isn't it? Is this one reason why perhaps we lie awake some nights and we can't sleep because conscience digs and gnaws and bothers us? I don't know of a greater distressing question to you than this one the twelve asked that night in the upper room. Lord, is it I? Do you mean me? Do you mean me? And even Judas had the nerve to stand there and say, Lord, do you mean me? And when we ask it tonight and we're asking it because we're here in God's house, we're, we're not on the air tonight, we're right here and we're digging down it makes us again it gives us an uneasy feeling it is possible isn't it when we say lord is it i that we could be playing that role right now that it isn't something that's going to come later end up with it it's already here to me this question is very distressing and it's disturbing when we we face it and we face it honestly because the very fact that I ask it, the fact that you're asking it tonight, and say, Lord, is it I? Lord, do you mean me? Do you, Lord? Is, is, am I the one you mean when you say one of you? Do you mean me? And the very fact that we stop and we say, Lord, do you mean me? What are we doing? We're admitting this, that we may be playing the role right now and pulling the wool over the eyes of our loved ones. That's distressing, isn't it? To deceive those whom we love. That's a horrible feeling, isn't it? That's a, a horrible feeling to say I'm deceiving and I'm cheating and I'm doing something that is harming my loved ones. And then there comes that horrible fear of being found out, isn't that right? The fear of disgrace before loved ones and that's a distressing thing, isn't it? And then we oh long if we can just breathe some fresh air. And then perhaps if we've got to say, Lord, it is I. And then what can you do? Some run for drink and we get ourselves so stoned that we don't even know our name. And we say, well, at least I had an hour or two of quietness. Some of our young kids are running to dope. 
running again, hoping just to get a few moments of freedom from a damning conscience within. Oh, these problems aren't easy, are they? These problems aren't easy with dope and alcohol and STD. Those are the symptoms, aren't they? They're the symptoms of distress. Something wrong inside of a man. That hell is stirred up within him. These are tremendous things. And this question is a distressing thing. It sure disturbs, doesn't it? Sometimes we ought to even be afraid to ask it. Lord, is it I? Do you mean me? And we back up and we say, maybe he does. Lord, do you mean, do you mean that I may end up, that I can end at the end of my life being nothing more than a sham, nothing more than somebody who's played the role of a hypocrite, the masker, the actor, the imposter is... Is this it? And the very fact that you and I ask it, it's an indication, isn't it? Lord, is it I? Lord, do you mean me? We're admitting this possibility too, and it bothers us very much that perhaps we're playing the role right now and we actually are making ourselves think that we're pulling the wool over the eyes of Christ. We say, Lord, is it I? And if we're playing that role and he doesn't strike us dead on the spot and everything else seems to go all right, we, we may rather enjoy it while we're doing it and say, look what I'm getting away with. Even he doesn't, or I'm an exception because he likes me a little better than he likes anybody else. Uh, because I'm a favorite one. He lets me get by with things that he won't let others get by with. And isn't it strange when we ask this question, Lord, do you mean me? And then we look out in the congregation and we see somebody else who may be doing the same thing that we're doing and we latch onto him and we vehemently condemn him and the only reason we do is because we're actually condemning ourselves. Rather strange, isn't it? What we do, distressing, isn't it? It, it bothers us. Yet in that upper room that night, there were 12 men that stood before Christ and each one said, Lord, is it I? Lord, do you mean me? Lord, is it I? Surely it, it couldn't be I. You, you don't mean me. Or, or do you? Do you mean me? That, that bothers, that digs, doesn't it? That gnaws. That makes an old man or an old woman out of us, doesn't it? When we dig down and we say, Lord, do you mean me? And the very fact that you and I will even ask the question like the 12 men did that night, it's an indication, isn't it, in your life and mine that we're admitting this horrible possibility that uh, it may be too late already. Maybe too late. You say, well, when is anything too late? Well, it's getting kind of late in your life and mine if perhaps we have 
come to the place and we say, yes, Lord, it is I. You do mean me. So what? It could come to the place, couldn't it, where we don't even care. We don't even care. In the upper room there was Judas Iscariot. He was pulling the wool over the eyes of the other them. They had no idea that on the Saturday night before this Thursday night that he had gone to the priest and he had bargained with them for 30 pieces of silver. They didn't know it. And yet you'd have thought that that night when Jesus was throwing out the lifeline, he said, one of you shall betray me. You'd have thought that there would have been such pangs of conscience in the man that he would have said before the group, I know who you mean, Lord. You mean me and you're right. And I have 30 pieces of money in my pocketbook that I have no right to have. But I, I'm stopping. But he didn't, did he? He didn't, he didn't care. He, he couldn't have cared less. But he even had the nerve when Jesus gave him the morsel to even say again, Lord, is it I? And Jesus had mercy on him. He quietly said, yes, Jesus. But the rest, as I say, they... They didn't know that Jesus had come. Only John and Peter knew what had taken place. And we may say, isn't it a horrible thing that we may say, is it too late? We can say to ourselves, do, do I care? Uh, does it bother me anymore? Or do I just lash out and say, well, what's the difference? Everybody else in the church is a hypocrite too. Everybody out there all make me a whole bunch of shams. What, what do I care? But that's, that's poor, poor comfort, isn't it? But it's a disgusting thing, isn't it, to say, Lord, uh, is it I? The very fact that you and I say it, Lord, is it I? Do you mean me? It bothers and it gnaws, doesn't it? And it, again, it, it upsets us and turmoil within because if you're asking it tonight and I am, what we're doing, we're admitting this great possibility. What about Holy Communion during these times? What kind of what kind of Holy Communion attenders have we been? Have we been the kind of a communicant that Christ wants? If again we say to ourselves, Lord, do you mean me? Do you really mean me? And am I the one? Then we say, well, I know that communion is a tremendous blessing, but there's also, there's also a curse in connection with communion. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation unto himself. And then we say, for heaven's sakes, have I been going to communion and receiving Christ's body and blood and just going through the motions just so everybody in the church can say I'm taking communion and have I been trampling the body and the blood of my Lord under my feet? Have I been treating it like it was nothing? And that's a, a horrible thought, isn't it? Because then we say, well, if I have, I can't get by with that. Because when I trample underfoot his body and his blood that he offered on the cross for me, that's just going too far. Then we may have the distressing, the horrible feeling 
of saying, why did I ever go to communion? Bothers, doesn't it? Lord, is it I? Lord, do you mean me? I don't think there's a question we can ask that bothers any more than that. Lord, do you mean me that I could end up my life being nothing but a consummate hypocrite, nothing but a sham, nothing but a make-believe, nothing but an actor? Bothers, doesn't it? It's a, it's a horrible question. No wonder up there in the upper room, the eleven were pretty much distraught. I can imagine how some of them felt. They admitted the possibility, Lord, if you say one of us, it could be any one of us. And again, they didn't trust themselves one minute. Lord, is it I? Do you mean me? If you do, Lord, say so, they were saying. Anything is possible. But the distressing thing is also this, that when we say, Lord, do you mean me that I could end up a sham the very fact that we ask the question it's an admission on your part and mine of this horrible possibility we may be heading for suicide don't let anybody in this church tonight and myself included I don't care who you are how pious you are who I am don't let anybody in this church tonight say that's one thing that could never happen to me. Don't you ever say that. Don't ever say that. I sat in a room one day and heard one of our ministers get up and say, let me tell you, suicide is easy. One of our own. In the distress of his soul, he stood up and he said, in my life, Suicide at one time was a welcome thing. I looked forward to it, and I couldn't believe my ears, a friend of mine. And then he said, don't think for a moment that suicide is hard or that you can't do it. He said, only the grace of God kept me from taking my life. And I think of Judas. Oh, again... He was playing the role of an actor in the upper room so that he could join him to the group. He said, Lord, is it I? You mean me, Lord? And then when exposure came, that's the sad thing. You see, we all have pride, don't we? Sometimes that pride is so tremendous that we're much more concerned about what people think than we are about what God thinks. Then when we're so concerned, and like in Judas's life, when the exposure came, when he kissed Christ and they arrested him, and when he realized that the other eleven knew what he was. I don't think Judas ever thought for a moment after being with Christ for three years that he would ever have thought of taking his life, but he did. Let's tonight admit this. You are a potential suicide, and so am I. It's not beyond you, no. It's not beyond me. This is a distressing, disturbing, gnawing question, if there ever was one. Lord, is it I, when we ask it, we're admitting it could be. It could be. Just who are you? 
Who am I? I've always liked the story of the man who was on the train with his wife. He was quite a suave, sophisticated individual. He was a traveling salesman and he got into the best hotels and the best restaurants and he met a high class of people but he had a dear wife who didn't have all those advantages but she loved him with all her heart and she sacrificed for him but he had her along on a trip one day and they went into the dining car and they ordered dinner and he knew just exactly what spoon to use and when and what fork you know the kind they make us uncomfortable because they've got all the answers you know and you and I sit there and do you use this spoon now or do you use this fork or do you use your fingers or just how do you do it and she used her spoon when she shouldn't have and he blew up and bawled her loud and belittled her that everybody in the dining car heard about it and she just sat there and she didn't say anything. The only thing she knew she loved him, but he embarrassed her. And the train went on and it went off of an open bridge and curled down the side of an embankment and she was thrown from the car which first opened she was under the wheels and he found her and he crawled under the wheels and she was still alive but dying and he held her hand and he kept telling her how much he loved her until she died i can't forget that story who was he was he the man in the dining car suave and sophisticated that could embarrass and cheapen her or was he the man under the tracks telling her that he, he loved her? Who are you tonight? Who am I? We're going to have communion tonight. I want all hypocrites to come. But I want all hypocrites to come who are scared to death they're hypocrites. And I want everybody to come who wants the body and blood of Christ who when you say, Lord, is it I, it scares you to death, and you say, I want, I want his body and his blood to erase from my soul any make-believe, any sham, any hypocrisy. I want you to come if you can pray and sing, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Sorrowful impostors, you come to communion. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.